This podcast is brought to you by Shout Engine. In less than five minutes, you can start your own podcast for free with ShoutEngine.com. in the a.m. Just drove up to downtown Los Angeles to pick up Mr. Blake Wrong. How the hell are you doing this morning? I'm doing lovely, Chris. It's a wonderful Saturday morning in L.A. we got nothing better to do to drive to Corona. Ooh, what are we going to Corona for? We are going to Corona to pick up my Miata engine. Miata, so this is your third, third engine. This is the third okay. engine. This is the one that has been uh, carefully rebuilt completely by Mike Keegan of Keegan Engineering. Maybe we should get him on mic later, too. That'd be a good idea. Yes. Um, uh, Keegan Engineering for all you Keegan Motor and Keegle needs. That's true. He uh, he, he helped build... Um, actually, he built Edmunds.com's uh, supercharged Miata. He bored that engine out to, I think, 1.9 or 2 liters or something like that, and also um, did, like, complete head work and block work on it. And then... Uh, on his website, he says he used to build uh, engines for Cosworth. All right, so, so they, they call, that's the uh, that's the power bottom Miata, right? Yeah, exactly, the power bottom. And actually, I only I only have bottom end work on there, so bottom end work. Because I'm a cheap bastard. I uh, uh, no no head work in your Miata. No 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 head. No, no head, just bottom. Okay. All straight bottom. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think I feel like you know we'll, we'll talk to him later about it, but I feel like asking him. A guy who built uh, engines for Cosworth to build my Miata is like asking Albert Einstein to solve elementary math. Yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, I'm sure it's very basic work for him, but uh, it's appreciated on your part. I'm That's sure. true, yeah. And hopefully this engine will hold together for more than five well, what miles. What was it in the other one? Was it an oiling failure? That was an oil pump issue, yeah. Okay. It starved the engine and knocked. Yeah, that's, uh... That's just shit luck. Shit. Well, and your original motor died at, like, what, 65 or 69,000 miles? 63,000 miles because of a journal bearing issue, I think. Um, the 99-2000 engines had issues with uh, the way the thrust bearing was machined, so it would kind of... The crankshaft would move in a way it's not supposed to move. Uh, oh, you know, so you were getting lateral... You were getting crank walk like a DSM. Yeah, and then the journal bearing on the fourth cylinder got so hot it fused to the, uh, it fused to the rod. Oh. And got all spit up there. We, we, when we took it out, it looked like a piece of... It looked like a potato chip. Yeah. The old, so. the old Miata rod problem. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> More butt sex jokes. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's, a, that's a rod bottom issue right there. That's a yeah. bottom, bottom with your rod. Um, and a lack of lubrication. That, that is exactly it, yeah. You yeah. don't want to go... You, you, you can't be spinning your rod around dry. You can't, you can't spin that in the bottom without lubrication. No. It's not a... Uh, it's not a dry sump system. It's uh, it needs to be wet. So that's true. Um, okay, like I said, enough butt side jokes. That's uh, true. Get on the 60. Yes. Yeah. We are. We have just passed lovely downtown LA. Hello, downtown LA. You're looking very nice today. Uh, yeah. We are. I uh, should probably mention. Yeah, we're doing a mobile podcast for the first time in a while. We actually have uh, real equipment this time too, unlike that episode we had with Travis. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's uh, of course I'm here, so I brought my like I brought my real mobile rig. Uh, so we're going to see how this goes. This might get thrown out. It might not. Um, so we are also recording from within inside the cabin of a gigantic 
2015 F-150 EcoBoost. The new aluminum one. Um, it is very nice. It's a nice truck. I went and priced this thing out with all the options because, of course, they didn't give us a regular Monroney. Right. Um, I went and priced this out with all the options on Ford's configurator, and it came out to almost $50,000. Yeah. Which is a lot of money for an F-150, but... That's what trucks are going for on average these days. I mean, what, what does an F-150 start at these days? Like uh, I think it started, yeah, I think it was. It started around mid-20s uh, when I looked at it. Um, and this one has, like, it's like the quote-unquote platinum package with the sports stuff. And the 3.5 twin turbo was actually the most expensive motor. This the Coyote motor is $800 less. The Super Crew with the... Uh, it's, only, it's the five and a half foot bed, XLG, it's not the, yeah. which luckily, because even Super Crew with just the five and a half foot bed is hard to find parking in Los Angeles with. That, that is true, yeah. I mean, the rear end of this, doesn't matter how far you pull up in any spot, you're still sticking out in the rear by about a foot or two. It's got a lot of junk in the trunk. We're uh, going to put some more junk in the trunk this afternoon. Yeah, so, uh, but yeah, this has been, um, it's a nice truck. I, I you know, the, the idea that going to a smaller turbocharged motor is going to do any gains for fuel efficiency outside of just basically gaming the EPA numbers and the way they test. It's, it's, it's all horseshit. I mean, I've been driving this fairly gently and it's still only averaging at 15.6 miles per gallon. Yeah. So Probably because its aerodynamics are like the Sears Tower. Uh, yeah, that, and it's still, you know, it's it's 700 pounds less than it is, but this is still probably almost a 5,000 pound vehicle. Yeah. Um, it's a big, you know, this is the FX4 package, so it's the off-road, so it's even a little taller than usual. Um, but I mean, it's nice, uh, six-speed automatic. This is really comfortable, this uh, ride it's, is incredible. It's super comfortable. I mean, this thing, honestly, rides is about as nice as a very high-end luxury car. I mean, like... The ride in this is like S class level. It's because you just flatten out your own road irregularities. Yeah, I mean it's heavy and it's got big ass wheels on it, so I mean it just smooths everything out. But I mean it's, uh, I think the last the last F one fifty or well quote F one fifty I drove was a Raptor. Yeah. Um, and that ride's pretty nice just because it's got the mega suspension on it, but. Uh, this thing is something else. This is nice. Um, and it's, I mean, it's only 3,000 miles on this, so it still feels really tight in every regard, but I mean, it feels like it's built like a bank vault. Um, it's got a tight rear end, Chris. It does. It's got a tight <laughs> rear end, and we're going to go fill it with uh, your sure. new power bottom rear end. There you go. Um, new rods and everything. New rods. Stick rods in there. Wow. Uh, I did get forged rods, by the way. Oh, That's did. the one thing I splurge for, because if I do keep the car, I'm probably going to turbo it, because I'm an idiot, and I just don't know what to do with money. So. Uh, oh, I know what to do with money, and it's usually pissing away. Yeah. Um, so I'm good at that. You know what, though? That's smart, just because you can always do a new cylinder head after the fact much easier yeah. than you can do a new bottom end. Yeah, did exactly. You, is, uh, did you do... Is, the, is it a forged crankshaft, too, or...? No, but it is balanced, and... Uh, I have the I have the build sheet somewhere actually. It's it's definitely balanced and stuff. Okay. So, so okay, that's. I wanted to go. I wanted to go relatively cheap bastard with this, but um, the forged the forged rods are definitely a must. Okay. So, if you're turbocharging that, what is the stuff that you're looking out for on that motor? Because every motor has weak points, and I don't know what they are. I think it's the rods. It's the rods? Yeah, it's the rods. I don't plan to run... If I do turbo it, I don't plan to run insane amounts of boost on it. But 
you know, it's better safe than sorry. It's one of those you might as well fix. What about, um, okay, so you can turbo it, and that's obviously a nice way to go, but in my experience, building at built turbocharged cars, they weren't originally turbocharged, it can be a pain in the ass. Yeah. Um, because engine management gets to be an issue, and it's just a lot of little things, whereas if you do a supercharger, it's, it's linear, and you know pretty much how it's going to respond in any given RPM. That is true. Um, what about going with one of those roots blower kits that are out there, like on the, um, on, what was it, the Super 20 Miata? Yeah, that was a, um, I'm trying to remember what kit that was, but yeah, it's a lot of like, you know, Roadtrex has a good supercharger kit, it's a four grand kit, that's a... Is it a centrifugal or is it a roots blower? I think it's a roots blower. Okay. Yeah. Um, that one's pretty popular. I think turbocharging on Miata has been done to death, so there's a lot of experience with that and expertise and everything. And, you know, there's a lot of, like, bolt-on kits from Flying Miata and BEGI, BG, that, um, that have been really highly recommended. But I think the, still the ideal thing is to pick and choose your own parts for a turbo kit. Yeah. You start with a BEGI, and then, like, you know, they have stage one, stage twos and stuff in case you want to do insane power. And... I think the sweet spot for a lot of turbocharged Miatas is around 240 and 240 uh, horsepower, and I think uh, anywhere just above 180 is probably going to be good for it. Anything above 240 is going to be nuts, and you're going to have to do a lot of stuff there. So, okay, so if you're turbocharging that at 240, is that crank or is that wheel? Wheel. That's wheel. Okay, yeah. so that's that's like a good 270, 280 horsepower crank. Yeah. That's pretty healthy for that car, because what did your car weigh? 2,400 pounds. Yeah, that's a very fast car at that, kind of, that kind of weight. I mean, that's a better power-to-weight ratio than a Fiesta ST, and that's a quick little bugger. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, that's a good, fun thing to do. I mean, okay, so we know you've had your problems with Miata for basically the last year. Yeah, 10 months. Um, what, so, okay, so you get this, and motor probably, I mean... It'll probably be all done a month or so, right? Yeah. Um, what are the plans after that? Do you have any further plans? Or are you just going to be like, okay, let's let's ride this out for a little while and just have enjoy having it back? kind of want to. There's some dents I want to pull on that thing. That's probably easy. The, the top, a lot of the, uh, this is all minor stuff. The top, like a lot of the upholstery, the stitching is coming apart, so I'm going to get that restitched. And then um, I want to install frame rails on it. Because I have frame rails and I bought them and I was going to install them until the engine exploded. And that was more of a priority. Oh, as in like subframe connectors? Uh, no, frame rails that run from wheel to wheel basically the entire length just to stiffen it. And also it creates a handy jacking point for jacking your car up. Oh, interesting. So yeah, I, I think I'm used to calling those subframe connectors. Oh, but fair I guess um, in the Miata parlance they're frame rails, but I mean, yeah. it makes sense. Um, yeah, that should actually go a long way because I mean, I think the Miata is a relatively rigid chassis from what I follow, but... Yeah, but, you know, uh, 15 years, which is still pretty new for that car. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, is when you're doing... It's important when you do subframe connectors on a car, you don't want to weld them up with the car on a lift. You don't want to weld them? Well, you, I mean, you don't want to... You do want to weld them. Welding it... I mean, bolt-in... Bolt-in um, subframe connectors are almost worthless... However, if you're going to do them and you're going to weld them up, you don't want to weld it up while it's on a lift being lifted by the body. Right. You want it to be supported by the wheel. So you basically you want to do it on a exhaust type, an exhaust type work lift. Right. These, um, these frame rails are um, bolted. It's about 15 bolts per side, and um, that's the way they were designed. Okay. Can yeah. you 
would you get? Would you be willing to get those welded in? Because it'll make, in my experience, a welded in subframe connector is a big, big difference. I don't trust this guy whatsoever. Yeah, that's being weird. Um, I I would, but there's a lot. You'd have to get through the undercoating and everything because they spray on the galvan, uh, the gal galvanization stuff. Yeah. And then um, what? I mean, that's that's an avenue I could look into. I don't see why not. Um, from what I hear, the bolts are incredibly strong anyway, and bolting it on there because you know, like you said, the, the Miata is pretty stiff to begin with. Yeah. Um, okay, so you get subframe connectors going on too. Yeah. What about uh, so you get the engine guy going? Would you just hand him subframe connectors? And go, hey, while you're here. No, I, I did. I did when I was getting the second engine installed, and he was like, "This is going to take like eight hours." Wow. Which it does. It is a pain in the ass to do. I've, I've seen it been done before, and I think it took four. So, okay. huh. so you plan on doing it's, it yourself? It's not hard. It's just very tedious. It's a lot of drilling and bolting and drilling and bolting and drilling and bolting. And you got to do it. Uh, when I saw it, you, we did it on a lift, and um, you know, it's drilling like above your head and everything. So, um, it's a huge pain in the ass, but it is. It's not like rocket surgery, like you say. Yeah. So, I mean, I installed my uh, roll bar by myself, and it took two days. That's you got a bolt-in roll bar. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's the thing, is that if you can get all that shit welded up, it's so much stiffer. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, it's, but, you know, um, obviously... Chris, can I confess something? What's that? I don't know how to weld. Uh, I, I know it's weld, really I, I don't weld well, um, but I tend to take stuff like that and leave it to the professionals, because they'll do a much better job welding than I will. Yeah. Uh, I, and I do get boners at really clean welds. Really nice looking welds. Yeah, uh, it is. It, welding is absolutely an art form. Um, I mean, I have I've got some friends back on the East Coast that are pipe fitters. Yeah. And if you want to see some boner inducing welds, you're not going to see anything better than the pipe fitters. Those guys, um, especially the ones that are working on like water treatment plants and things like that, their welds are held to a quality standard that's so much higher than anything else. It's it's obscene how good they are. I mean, oh, they, absolutely. You won't even get a weld this clean out of out of a um, robot. It's it's amazing. Yeah. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, so welds and such. Welding uh, is cool. To, so the Detroit Auto Show. I mean, we, we covered it a little bit on the last episode, but yeah. holy shit, man! That's um, that's such a. It was such a good show. It blew my mind because, like, you know, I was looking at all these cars that had been like leaked and everything. Hey, Corporal, like. I was like, oh, these stuff that had been, like, you know, Cadillac introduced a CTSV, like, a month before, and then, like, Volvo came out with that stupid... I don't I don't like off-road sedans, as a matter of principle. I think it's just dumb and ugly and tacky. Like, I never liked the Outback sedan. Oh, yeah, well, I get that. So, you know, the S60 is a good car, but, you know, that, that's just kind of pointless. So, like, you know, I saw that stuff, and I was like, great, it's another one of those shows where we know everything beforehand. But then, there was a lot of mic dropping there, which is great. Well, I mean, we knew we knew the GT was coming. We knew the three, uh, we knew the Mustang GT three hundred and fifty R was coming. Uh, maybe I was just out of the loop. I, I, you know, there was that rumor that Motor Trend came out with that the GT was coming, and I felt like that was just wishful thinking. There was there was so much talk about it, though. I mean, and you know how it is when there's smoke, there's fire. With with everybody we know that's in the on the journalism side of things, when there's that many people talking about it, it's almost certain that it's coming. Yeah, I suppose. And I suppose we're definitely going to see a mid-engine Corvette at the next show. Um, oh, yeah. We're going to see... We'll see a mid-engine Corvette just because now 
the GT's been shown off, and we know the mid-engine's been, been in development for a while. Since the 70s, essentially. Well, yeah, but I mean, in earnest this time, they've oh, yeah, actually really been building it. You think, um, you think they should sell it as a Corvette or a Cadillac? I feel uh, like they should sell it as a Cadillac. You know, that's an interesting question. I wouldn't have a problem with it. Um, I, I'm not that weird purist guy where it's got to be a Corvette. No, I don't... No, sure. they should sell it as a Cadillac because they had the CN concept in the early 2000s. Remember that thing? Yeah, but they won't, awesome. sell, they won't sell it as that because the Corvette's a brand that they can sell. Right. As much as good as the new Cadillacs are and they're phenomenal, right. um, they're not selling as well as they should be. I don't know. I think it's been 20 years since Cadillac went under, under its uh, reintroduction. I think it's about time they had a Halo car. And, you know, a luxury mid-engine car. Mid-engine cars are stream supercar. You know, if you're going to have a luxury supercar... Well, they will eventually. I mean, that's already been talked about. They want to, you know, um, what's his face that took it over the world? Uh, Donation? Donation, yeah. Donation. Um, uh, he's been saying that he wants to do something. He's like, we need a car like the R8. He said that before in interviews. Right. So I think, that, you know what, there's a very strong possibility that it could be the, the R8 slash Lamborghini thing. Yeah. Where Caddy gets their version of it, and then Corvette gets the ultra-hardcore track version. Okay, that makes sense. Um, but I mean, to me, it's 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 insanity that I mean the Z06 that's out now is pretty is epic, unbelievably fast. Um, there's really not much more out there that's faster than that thing. You see that article that Bob Lutz did? They were having trouble getting traction off the rear rear wheels, even no matter how far they pushed the front mid engine back. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's where we're at now. And I think, honestly, we're getting to a point with power that even having a, you know, even having a rear mid-engine layout is going to be, is running into its limitations. Right. Um, you know so, what? They should just put the engine in smack dab in the middle of the car and then not have any place for the driver and just make it an autonomous track car. There you go. That's exactly what they're going to do. That's it. We'll just have yeah. a very, very expensive RC car. <laughs> That'd be nice. And then, you know, you can bring it to your track day and you just sit on the bleachers and watch your car go around. I, I, I'm wondering, though, is it... Okay, so the code name on this so far has been Zora. Okay. On, on the mid-engine. That's, a, that's such a cool name. Zora's a cool name in general. It'd be interesting if they could sell the car as a Zora. Yeah, um, the Corvette Zora. Say that ten times fast. I'm just wondering, okay, so this is a car that the Z06 now topped out is is about 105-110 with all the options. Okay, so they're going mid-engine on this. I'm thinking they're not selling it for anything less than like 160. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, which is R8 money, which yeah. is getting into turbo money. Or, you know, it's 911 turbo money. McLaren 650. Uh, I think 650s. Yeah, the last the 12C was like 150, I think. Yeah, and the, and the 650 was is is a more expensive car than right. the 12C was. Right. Um, I'm wondering, will people spend that much on a Corvette? See, that's the problem. Maybe if they sold it as a Cadillac. But I, mean, I totally think people will, though. That's the thing. At that price, though, they're not going to be. They're not going after volume at that price, obviously. Right. Um, so I don't know if it matters, but clearly, they want to have something out there because they. Well, first off, they need it for the C8 architecture because the Corvette's going to have to go mid-engine. It's just going to. Right. Um, so, I mean, the theory thus far has been that, you know, this car, we'll just call it the Zora for the sake of this episode and have a consistent naming. Right. Um, the Zora 
would be kind of the what the first gen, like the C5 Z06 was, and it's kind of a preview of what the mainstream is going to be. Because okay. the C6 base car was faster than the C5 Z06. Was faster than the C5 Z06, and it showed a lot of the things off. Um, and although the funny thing is, is the C6 Z06 is still quite a bit quicker than C7 uh, Stingray is, okay, but, makes sense. Um, but not by much. No, no, but I, I still would rather a C6 Z06 than a Stingray. Um, oh, that looks like a cool go-kart track. Look at that. Oh, yeah. Outdoor so. gas and everything. I've never been there. Have uh, you been there? No, I have not. I'm going to a field trip at some point. All right, let's do it. We should do an episode from the track. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, $160,000 for a Corvette... I mean, I don't, I don't blink at it just because it's, and it's not like I'm some crazy Corvette fanboy. I like them because it's a very capable car for the money. I love 911s too. It's just they're way more expensive. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's. I think that if they come out with this car, and it's almost certain they will, I don't think there's any excuse for them not having a dual dual clutch in it. Right. Um, at that price range, they damn well better come to the party with a real dual clutch transmission. It's not the automatic. The GT doesn't come with a manual. No. And the Z06 still does, for now, but the, uh, yeah, absolutely. They're going to have to throw as much technology at it as possible. Well, I, I can almost guarantee you that they'll still have a manual transmission in the Zora, just because as it is right now, the transmission is already in the rear of the vet. Okay. So they can probably adapt a lot of that over to what this new car is going to be, um, turn it into, you know... Modify it, turn it into a transaxle or something, but it's a precedent that's our. They, they, they've stuck pretty hard to having manuals. Yeah. Um, what would you, I mean? Okay, so we've got the GT coming, which according to Mr. Jack Ruth, mm-hmm. uh, who you had dinner with last that's night, that's true. Um, he was saying that uh, the word is that that's a ground up brand new engine, 3.5 liter V6. Um, so it's, it's not the one in this truck. No, this it's this I believe is still a derivative of the Duratec motors. Um, I mean, it's it's heavily modified, but it's still a derivative thereof, from what I understand. Um, so the it's going to be a what are they six six hundred horsepower? I can't recall. Uh, six fifty seven hundred. Really, out of a three point five liter V six, that yeah. seems like that could be a lag monster. Um, what do you think? It's probably going to have some uh, a ton of anti-lag technology. Or maybe they'll, they'll sell the turbo lag as like a attribute. You know, one of those cars that's triggered to drive fast. Yeah, I don't... You know, at this point, if I'm buying something like that, I don't want tricky. I just oh, want check, oh, check it out. you gotta love a, you got to love a strip club that has to advertise their girls as being legal. Ah. Yeah. Yes. You know, we don't have any... We don't have any uh, sex slaves from Albania over here. No, although I'm sure you go over. Thanks the, a lot, Feds. Yeah, I'm sure you go over to the border in Mexico. You can probably find a fair number of 16-year-old strippers. Oh yeah. Uh, not that I want that, but whatever. Um, hey, whatever. Whatever floats your metaphorical bottom end. Yeah. Um, I don't know. So what else? What else kind of caught your attention? Uh, that Buick thing, actually. I don't think anyone really talked about it because everyone just kind of forgot that Buick's still a thing, except for the Chinese. Yeah. Um, They're kind of coasting in America. They are very much coasting that, here. That lacrosse has been out for forever. Um, and it's, 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 a, it's a car. It's, 
last time I drove one, they had like the cool little like touch panel capacitive touch thingies for the uh, uh, climate controls, and it worked somewhat. And that's about the only update they did. To I me, mean, it's, it's 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 like being inside your grandma's jewelry box. That's what it looks like. <laughs> I, to me, I, I think not that way. Yeah, no, no, no. I I, didn't, <laughs> I, I wasn't thinking of it that way. I just I'm, realized that your grandma's box, the Buick, the Buick. It's like being inside your grandma's box. Well, that's another way. I wasn't thinking of it on those terms, but um, I think that Buick is in the United States been coasting on the backs of the older end of the baby boomers. Oh, yeah. In that Cadillacs are not cushy anymore. They're fairly serious machines that are meant to compete with the Germans, so they're okay. stiff. They've got a lot of tech in them. Blah, 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 blah. They're right. not the cushy old caddies. Right. And I think Buick is still that little some of that little portion of GM that's catering to that older market. Of course. Um, well, even even Lexus doesn't have, isn't going for the cushy business anymore, except for the ES. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the Lexus that aren't the sport models are still, I think they're kind of cushy. Not the yeah. IS, but I mean, like... The RX, certainly. Yeah. Um... RX absolutely, but that's that. You know, it's funny. RX buyers, you know, they just buy them over and over. That's true. Um, they I, drive it for. They are super nice inside. It's one of those cars that you're just like, why is everyone buying one of these? And then you get inside one, and you're like, oh, that's why, because it's fucking nice. Yeah, they're nice and it's safe and it's reliable and it's it's basically the expensive minivan. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we all pretend they're not minivans because they've got a. They've got a hood line like a like a SUV, um, but they're minivans. They're, and, and their drivers are very rude. Yes, especially um, in New England. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know they've got all the kids' soccer gear in the back, um, and uh, they're oblivious to everything that goes on the road. And um, they're good cars. They're just they love not cutting exciting. you off. Uh, versus some of the bad shit, crazy crossover stuff. Mercedes is doing right now. Okay, the JLE is atrocious. Let's just it agree is, that it is awful, still... and it's going to sell a million because yeah. fuck this planet. Everyone's full of idiots. The JLE, I why I hate the JLE is because it's not just it's not just named like a like a phone book from the '80s, and it's not just hideously ugly. It's also derivative, and that's the sort of thinking that really it's just like oh good BMW came out with this atrocious concept. Let's do another atrocious concept for ourselves. That's what basically the uh, the Germans love to do. This like they just love to trade off on each other and copy each other and stuff. It's like it's like it's like a race to the bottom. You know, the, the Mercedes came up with the CLS, BMW came up with the Grand Coupe. Audi came up with the A7, and then BMW came up with the X6, and then now the GLE. You know, they just love copying off each other. And I bet Audi will come up with, like, some kind of Q6 thing even jiggy. Uh, yeah, probably. Um, I mean, well, and then, you know, well, it's a different price bracket, but the, I mean, the, um, the Porsche Macan, you know. Although I kind of like the Macan. The Macan's great because, one, it drives well, and, two, it's an SUV. It's not, like, weird, ugly coupe thing. Uh, yeah, although, you know what, I, I kind of look at the Macan and I go, this is like a really expensive Infiniti FX35. That thing drove nice. Uh, it did drive nice, it's because it was a G35 slash 350 chassis, you know, built up to be bigger. The Macan actually has some of the best steering, like, of any car sold today, honestly. Really? Yeah, it's really incredible. I haven't, I mean, I've just, I, I see them, 
Um, and I like them just because it's, you know... Going to 71. Yeah, it's yeah. a it's a Cayenne at, you know, three-quarter scale. Yeah, and a Cayenne is stupid huge, man. You know, a Cayenne can tow 7,000 pounds, I think. So, you know, I, I've talked to some people who have bought a Cayenne just for that purpose. But if I may be allowed to rant a little bit, the, the GLE... One, I don't like SUVs that much. And yes, SUVs have been capable of doing great things, like uh, driving-wise, like the Macan. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure the GLE is going to be a great driver, but I kind of hate it out of principle, too, because it's, it's flashy, and it's obnoxious, and it's kind of, you don't need it. You don't, you really don't need it. You, you need something with a lot of room, buy the GLK, buy the G, GL or whatever. You don't really need a thing that's just full of compromises, and then... It's also hideously ugly to boot. It's just a it's just a template of bad taste, just like the X6 was. Yeah, although I kind of the, I kind of like the X6 in a certain regard in that it defies its engineering defies all logic and goes, I don't care about physics. I don't care about any sort of uh, I don't care if I'm uncouth. I'm going to be stupid fast despite all those things. And speaking of, it is we're going to try the acceleration me. out here on the 3.5 EcoBoost. Damn. This thing feels like a locomotive. Okay. That, <coughs> was, um, that was 10 miles an hour pretty quickly. Yeah, 10 miles an hour. Has never felt that fast, Chris? Um, well, there's a little trick that you'll find that uh, from, you know, our work on the smoking tire. Was, uh, we increment things with uh, potentially digits that's, falling that off. Um, so yeah, that was 10 miles an hour. 10 miles an hour. Um, and it did, it got to 10 miles an hour very quickly from 60 miles an hour. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. Those are some good brakes, aren't they, Chris? Yeah, they are. Very strong brakes. Uh, very, kind very of funny, you're testing them on the 71 freeway. I know. Um, I don't think the other drivers appreciate it, but fuck them. Yeah, that's um, true. We're in a truck. And yeah, that's and, why and, this is the best-selling truck in America. And I've been driving this like a normal human being this whole time, and we're still only averaging 16 miles per gallon. Yeah. So, fuel economy being a thing out of turbocharged motors is horseshit, especially in a 5,000, I don't know what this weighs exactly, but it's heavy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, it's quiet in here, too. Yeah, I, I can't say enough about this is a very nice truck. It is very refined. This thing isn't even like, you know, whatever King Ranch edition bullshit, like no, with I'm little glad tribal tattoo leather you can everywhere. Still get the King Ranch. To me, the King Ranch is just like. Eh, I kind of dig it. If In a previous life, if I was ever a Texas oilman, I would rock around in like a. Well, like a dually Laramie or something like that with the little it's got tribal tattoos on the gauges and it looks it looks like a nickelback concert and I kind of dig that. I see that that kind of thing actually strikes me as particularly gauche. Whereas, oh, absolutely. You know, this is <laughs> you know, I live somewhere that or I had a job that required me to actually have a truck, which is kind of one of my pet peeves with trucks is that you get these douchebags in LA or just anywhere, really, that never need a truck and they just buy one. Yeah, that's that's my issue with the X6 and the GLE. Yeah. You don't you don't need anything that big, and you just look like a tool. I think it's a car that you buy just so you can tell people that you have money and you're a tool. That said, the GLE AMG is stupid fast. Well, of course like, it is. Yes. You know, I think I think it's all engineering to a set of parameters where they just take the engines they already developed and then just shove it in anything, and it'll still be incredibly fast and incredibly well engineered because that's what Germans do. They just love they just they just love engineering to the way the marketers want things to play out. 
I think. Uh, yeah, although I think that, well, German cars are well-engineered to a certain extent. They're well-engineered to about 60,000 miles. That's true. And then you start cursing them because then they start costing you the price of the vehicle to fix them. Correct. Um, as much as I love many of them, um, it's... It takes a strong it takes a strong man to preserve a modern German car. Yeah. Um, but speaking of fast Mercedes, the one I one of the cars that I very very much wanted to drive is the AMG GT. Oh, that car looks pretty awesome. Um, yeah, that thing I have wanted to drive that very much since I first saw it. Uh, you, you haven't gotten one. The no, I haven't. Have I haven't even seen one. Um, which is funny because your former publication has it on the cover as of like, I don't know. That's true. Many of my colleagues have driven them extensively, even while they were camouflaged at Bonneville. You did a story on that. Yeah, well, I mean, Mercedes starts Mercedes starts serious, serious, like, testing all over the world, like, yeah. way sooner than anybody else for the most part. Because I've got a guy that works for Mercedes that doesn't live very far from me, and I see all kinds of stuff that he's driving heavily camouflaged, and I know what it is just because... You know, this is what we do. But it's stuff that that'll be introduced like way down the line. Yeah, I mean, I mean he had he had a um, an SLS. Um, I mean, or what the hell was the last? Was it the SLS? I can't remember. The SL, the SLS. It was the SLS to a supercar with the Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay, so it was. I, yeah, my brain's not working. It's early still. God, that's my favorite supercar. I think um, that's one of my favorite modern supercars. That convertible. Thing. I like the black edition. It's as garish as it is. It's still this black is so. Fucking crazy. Now, that is a car I did drive, and that car scared the shit out of me. Did you drive the yellow one that was making its way around? Yeah. Okay, yeah. No, I drove it I drove it on a press event at Big Willow. Um, and um, that track and that car is terrifying. That is, as far as I know, the only really good implementation of a dual-clutch Mercedes is done. Yeah. Until this new GT, which is obviously going to be heavily based upon things that were done in that SLS. Right. Um, but this is this is also smaller, and it's more. Uh, it's I was gonna say it's not as flamboyant because it doesn't have the gullwing doors, and uh, it's not as uh, slavishly retro too. I never liked the gullwing doors on the SLS. It was kind of a matter of principle. Yeah, well, you know what it was is that was a car that you know, I mean, as much as it's it's kind of an open secret now, but I mean that was that was a Viper. Yeah. That was originally a Viper. It yeah. was you know. Uh, kind of a generation that was between the the current Viper and the last one. It was kind of a chassis that was in between there. Yeah. And Mercedes was doing what they could to make it un-Viper. And I think they did an excellent job <coughs> of that because it's a much, in my opinion, it's a much nicer car in almost every regard than the Viper. Yeah. Um, I, it's not a faster car. I've, I've never driven a regular Viper, but I did drive the TA with the fancy suspension. Uh, and uh, Yeah, the TA is just a track car. That car felt amazing. I'll be honest, that car felt awesome. Yeah. I expected the worst out of that thing, but I drove it on around Mulholland and everything, and it just felt like you could really point it in a direction, and every, everything it did um, was basically exactly following you. It wasn't like, you know, spinning the rear tires out and everything and, like, sliding everywhere and shit. Yeah, I mean, I remember some people getting in and going, I mean, and I spent some time in that car, too. It's, um, people get in it, and they go, oh, it's unruly, and, you know, it's a lot friendlier than the older Vipers were. But I didn't feel that out of place just because I'm used to driving. I mean, my bet's a very different car, but I'm used to driving a car that's in that genre. Of right, powerful, long hood, rear wheel drive, yeah. kind of a handful if you're not careful with it. Yeah. Um, 
I felt very at home when I got in that thing. And it's the one thing that kills me is the V10 and the Viper is just so lazy. Um, I love V10s. It's probably my favorite engine configuration. But in the Viper, I hate that V10. I mean, it makes a lot of power, but it doesn't rev like most V10s do. It takes a while to get up there, yeah. And it sounds horrible. Um, that said, I mean, if I go overall, I mean, it's not a bad car. It's just... I still think it's my fantastic. first choice. The Peterson has uh, the number fifth Viper ever built. I think it's the oldest Viper. I've seen that car. Um, you know what, though? That first generation of Viper is nothing for me. Oh, it does absolutely everything for me because I remember I, I saw it at the right age that you should see a car that makes an impression on you. So I, I saw it when I was like I, ten. Yeah, well, I so mean, there you go. Baja bug. Look at that thing. That's sweet. Well, I mean, we're, there's about how old are you now? Twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. Okay, so we got five years between us. Yeah. So yeah, I was you know, teen, you know, teenager at the point. You actually develop like taste and stuff. Uh, sort of. Yeah. Um, I mean still living in New England with all the tropes that come with that, so, you know, yeah. uh, there were still certain things that were, you know. What does this guy's license plate say? My dog loves me. Yeah. Oh, that's precious. Um, How do got, you know that? Dogs can't speak English. Paws on his, on his My kids commander four paws. With the, with, the, with the hemi in it. With, with, a, with a peace sign and a dog paw on it. That's, that's precious. Yeah. That's precious. I will say, okay, this is, this is strange, but this is a particularly pretty drive out here today. This is nice. I mean, for the, my, even with the constant smell of cow poop for the last, like, eight miles. Yeah, it's it's very... The hills are very green right now, though, which... You totally forget this is in L.A. You can just drive half an hour and see this stuff. It's, like, all farmland still. Well, yeah, but, I mean, the rest of the year, this is all just burnt out and brown because yeah. California is the desert. It's you know? it's funny how L.A. looks so much prettier in the wintertime. It does. Yeah. It really does. Because it rains a bit and everything's gloomy and stuff. And we still have an insane drought. What does that say? 200 years of freedom. Tops 1976. Yeah. Okay, that would be a cool place to shoot a car. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be. Actually. You should drive this thing off-road and go shoot it in front I of a would giant banner that says 1976. I would really, really love to take this thing off-road. There's just not time allowing this week. Yeah. Um, that said, I think... We we'll so, get to Colorado next week, we though. So well, we not next week, the week after. Right? Yeah, that's true. Um, we're gonna have the Colorado. I'm gonna try and take that out, and we're also gonna have the Lexus RCF. That's true. That'll um, be fun. The Lexus RCF. I'm going to flog the living shit out of that thing before you get save it. Save me some tires, all right, Chris? I will Chris? save you tires. Thanks. Um, because I do not want to pile a press car. That's true. Hey, that guy's towing some kind of dune buggy. Well, we are in Corona. That's true. Um, there's always a shitload of traffic on this side of the 91. Yeah, the 91 freeway is always a complete clusterfuck out here. Um, because it's not... We're about uh, seven or eight miles east of my mother's house here, and, and it's always like this out here. Yeah. Um, and this is the road I drive going out to Vegas, and it's just always a disaster. You drive uh, this road to Vegas? Uh, I'll take Yeah, I'll take this road and just go straight out and then take the, what really? the 115. Oh, okay. I always take 210 out there, and it's, it's pretty quick. Um... I did that when I was living in Playa. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Um, there you go. Southern California, so, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Local references get you Good local times. work. Local references. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of Lexus, Lexus Escondido next to us. 
Nice. Um, Lexus Flexus, L.A. to Texas. Yeah. That's what Jack wants to title his article, by the way, because he's driving Matt Farrow's Lexus out, out to oh, Amarillo. Ah, he's, uh, he's taking Matt's Lexus. Yeah, the, that's great. The it, We're trying to get it to a million miles. How? What, what? So it feels pretty solid, doesn't it? I haven't seen it yet. I actually haven't been in Matt's due place yet, because last time you I tried to go there, the, the parking was so ridiculously bad. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. the thing. So he moved to Venice, and that house is a disaster to park at, to the point where... I really don't go over there much anymore just because it is such a pain in the ass to park. Yeah, I haven't seen that place yet. But I nearly bought a... Did I tell you about the Lexus I nearly bought? Yeah, you it were was looking in at Venice, LS100s, yeah. right? It was in Venice, too. It was actually up the street from Matt. Hey, look at that Cadillac. Oh, yeah. yeah. Very, very nice. Used to, this is the theater of the mind, so just imagine a really sweet 67 Cadillac in some kind of dull maroon color. Yeah, uh, that's a really nice color on that car. Actually, that was cool. Yeah. Uh, so you, yeah, because you, we were, you were asking me for info about Lexuses and stuff. Oh like yeah, that. yeah. So uh, this Lexus had ninety thousand miles on it, exactly one tenth the miles Matt has. <laughs> yeah, it was black and it was the interior was flawless. Everything was great. Like um, the interior was great. Had the Nakamichi on there, which was bitching. So we were, I went with uh, Ben from Japanese Nostalgia Car. We gotta get him on a podcast sometime. And that was wow. wheel spin. Nice. Just because I had to do it, I don't know why. Why not? Uh, I actually hadn't hit it that hard from a stop before. And uh, what better time than mobile podcasting? Exactly. That was good. Uh, yeah, this thing is. I, I will say this three five EcoBoost is a nice motor. Um, we'll see how it holds up over time. Um, just because turbocharged motors can be tricky as right. far as reliability goes, but it's a nice motor. Um, and I dig it very very clear to me that Ford wants to get rid of their V8s just all turbos all day long yeah Um, it'll be interesting the day that the you know Mustang has a 3.5 V6 you know twin turbo V6 option Um, and I don't think that we're far off from that yeah because I'm I'm still surprised it has a V8 uh, V6, a regular V6 option and that's you know a fleet car sort of thing yeah I don't understand why they're still doing the other than maybe it's just it's it's slightly easier to maintain it, so it's a rental car special. Yeah, really. And it's that was... German German tourists in Mustang convertibles just causing traffic on a PCH all day long. <laughs> hey, you know what though? I'll take the German tourists because at least they know how to drive. Oh yeah. Um, but anyway. What versus um, the Asian tourists? Because as an Asian guy, you're absolutely right. Um, <laughs> you know the funny thing is, I don't see that many Asian tourists driving. No, they're always on tour buses. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my mom came to LA once with my dad, and she was like, we don't know what to do. We should take the TMZ tour. And I was like, Mom, I'm going to kill you if you take the TMZ tour. You know what, though? That's, she was like, we don't know what else to do. That's what middle-aged, that's what middle-aged people that don't know anything about Yeah, take the shit. TMZ tour. They do. I, I mean, I remember when my family didn't live out here yet. My dad came out here for work, and everybody came out here to visit him, and, um... You know, that's the kind of crap that my mom, she's like, let's go do the Hollywood tour. And I'm like, oh, all right, let me shoot myself in the face. Uh, we, we took some, my girlfriend and I took some of her friends around for uh, like a week or so. And they were, after they left LA, they were like, we couldn't see the Hollywood sign. We wanted to see the Hollywood sign. And I was like, you can see the Hollywood sign from anywhere. Yeah, it's yeah. not very We parked on the seventh story, uh, we parked on the seventh level of the parking garage at the Grove. And you can see the Hollywood sign right in front of you. 
Uh, if you sit in, uh, there are places in Los Angeles where if you're just sitting in traffic, you're staring at that sign. Yeah. And it really loses any semblance of special when you're just sitting angrily in traffic. Like on the 110, you can totally see it from there going north. Yeah, or, you know, a, you know, one of our major thoroughfares, La Cienega Boulevard, you know, it's just... Yeah. It's, it, it taunts you. It's like, and it's oh, tiny. You're, you're almost where yeah. you need to be, but no, you're not. Um, yeah. Good times, yeah. Anyway, I wanted to talk about this Lexus because it was owned by this older British guy named Phil who was really nice, and he was also kind of weird. He kept on saying, like, oh, you know, when you messaged me, I thought, I thought, I saw the name Blake, and I was hoping you'd be a beautiful girl. How come you're not a beautiful girl? And I was like, sorry to, sorry to disappoint you, buddy. Uh, how come you're not a beautiful girl? That's a Sorry! Lovely. I've had to tell everyone this. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah. I'm not a beautiful... I'm not Blake Lively. Blake Z. Lively. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, the car... The car was nice, but the exterior had been... Like, it looked like it had been driven through, uh, Baghdad. Ah, okay. Yeah, so there was, like... There was, like, you know... Dents everywhere, and, like, some of the paint had been... It had been vandalized, and he, like, repainted it, apparently, with a brush... And, uh, so it was a car that basically had been parked, didn't care about door dings, and then it lived a life in Venice. Yeah, it lived a life in Venice, and it was, and you know, the hood, it, it was parked in a garage, but like, you know, half of the, sh- the sun just beamed down right on the hood for like God knows how many years, and yeah. the guy was like, I drive it a mile to my work van, and I was like, that's probably not healthy for the car. Uh, no, and I will, I will, you know, and was he right on the coast of Venice? Yeah, like right on Speedway. Yeah, I mean that's that's another thing is is when you know my house is is it's on you know it's on the coast um, in so, in the southern part of LA right. and cars take a beating to sit outside there. Yeah, they really do. Even if even if you try, you know, I take pretty good care of my stuff. My my Honda Element is getting the complete shit kicked out of it from just being parked in my driveway. Yeah, um, and there's no avoiding it. Um, My Miata was street parked in Playa for a year and a half. Yeah, I mean it's well, I, well. The nice thing is, is you were a little up off the water, so it didn't get quite as damp and salty there. Yeah, it's true. You were right on the water. Yeah, and the it, that cool air, that cool salty air, just rolls in at night, and it just doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what you do, you cannot beat the rust. Yeah, um, it just happens. I mean, there's stuff in my house that rusts that you didn't even think had metal in it. Like, the, <laughs> the fake plastic trim on an Xbox 360, you know, the fake metal trim on an Xbox 360 rusted in my house. That, isn't that plastic? Uh, yeah, and I think with tiny specks of metal in it to make it, but still it rusted. Wow. Um, I looked at a circuit board last night. Uh, it was just a piece of memory on a computer. I was going and tossing old crap. Right. Um, and that had all corroded just from salt air. Jeez. All the traces on that were all oxidized. Um, it's... The ocean is harsh, so yeah, it doesn't yeah. surprise me. That and that car, you know, that LS400 that you were looking at, not only did it live out in the ocean, it lived in Venice. And when you live in Venice, you can't have nice things because it's full of assholes that will ruin them. That's, that's true. That's absolutely true. Um, you know, it's... Nice rich assholes, too, these uh, days. Well, that's the funny thing, is that Venice... Hey! Real estate hey, is Hey, Polaris Slingshot! You see that? No, I did not. I was that driving. That was honest. Yeah. Well, try not to hit the mic. It's probably not great. For I got really stuff. excited there, but hey, that was a that was like honest to god Polaris slingshot. Um, they ceased production on those for the time being. Right, because they couldn't get legal. Well, no, they're things. having some safety issues oh, with them. Oh, figures. The um the 
the roll loop on it, apparently they're having to revise. Okay. Uh, and they're having steering problems too, which is disconcerting. That guy is least. very brave. Um, yeah. Um, really that's, good times. That said, I, I think it could be a fun car, but, um, you know, uh, Matt, as in Farah, mm-hmm. uh, you driving What's that? Has he driven one? Uh, yeah, when he was driving, he was told me he wasn't overly impressed with it. Really? Um, which is right. I thought that car would have been a lot of fun, but I guess it's one of those you get just... what you pay for sort of things. Because you know, there's there aren't there aren't many twenty thousand uh, dollar three wheelers. There aren't many three wheelers. Period. That that too. Um, but every three wheeler you get is going to be like forty. Um, yeah. Because of the engineering and the cost of production. Yeah, I mean it's just. That car should be a hoot. I mean, I look at that and I go, okay, it should be, it should be like an aerial atom minus a wheel, uh, minus a wheel. Right. Um, and speaking of, I believe aerial atoms were imported by Bramo in the United States, were they not? No, they had a they had a distributor in Washington State. I, I don't think it was, it was Bramo. Bramo's based in Bramo's based in like NorCal, isn't it? Uh, I don't recall. But anyway, Bramo just got just got picked up by. I believe it was Polaris, wasn't it? Really? Uh, I yeah. didn't see that. Um, yeah. So much for me being an industry Polaris, professional. Minnesota? Yeah. Yeah, 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 it was Polaris then. Oh, that's cool. Um, Good for them. So that's going to be interesting just because, uh, you know, Bramo's been largely considered one. You know, Bramo and Zero have been yeah. like the two big leaders in the electric motorcycle game. And I haven't ridden a Bramo. I rode a Zero, and a Zero is friggin' great, but the build quality is a little suspect. Is it? The Bramo, the new Impulse R, I've heard nothing but good things about it, and it sounds epic. Yeah, that's the thing, is the electric yeah. bike sounds so cool. Like, I've been yeah. up in Mulholland where guys are taking, like, the Zero support bikes up. Just like that. And it's just... And it's so much better sounding than that thing. It sound They... That sound that you used to hear in cartoons of like future jet cars like yeah. scooting around that that little like, like in star trek that, yeah i mean the legitimately do it almost sounds like a speeder bike from star wars it does yeah it totally it, does it's so cool you're like oh wow we're actually like living in the future now yeah like that predicted it it was great and that's why i love electric cars because they they make you feel like that even like a nissan leaf which you know still looks too like too much like a car for my liking it actually looks like a dumpling. You know what, though? Is, and people, people disparage the Leaf, and people, back to Detroit, people have been shitting all over the Bolt. I think those are cars that need to happen because they're mundane and they're boring, and everybody shits on them because they're mundane and boring. But mundane and boring is exactly what sells in the mainstream market. And that's why we all drive Toyota cameras. It is. Yeah. But I look at those cars. My dad is going to be up for... His Toyota Matrix has seen much better days. Wow. Uh, that he had a car, Matrix, damn. Yeah, he bought that back in... The first gen or second gen? First gen. Wow, it's, those it's are like cool. 2000, no, well... Well, I like let, those ones. Let me put it this way. They don't really hold up as far as build quality and mechanics goes over Thank time. you, Numi. And there's a Pontiac Vibe, a first gen, right there. Right yeah, the which is actually... They were a much better deal than the, the Matrix was because those had a... 10-year warranty versus the... Uh, oh, you want to do 15 South. Oh, well, yeah. that's going to be a problem right now. Let's no, you see. got it, you got it. Yeah, just slide behind this F-150. And there you go. Coalition of four driving things. Nice. Uh, yeah, I keep missing these yeah, yeah, things because... Oh, you're going to be a dick. Uh, some asshole in a Tundra. Um... 
Fuck you, asshole. Oh, I should tell you my challenge, Dodge Challenger story after this. Well, right now. Um, two, a weekend ago, you know, because my car's in a shop, uh, my girlfriend and I rented a Ford Focus, and we were just driving around uh, L.A. Oh, hey, look, we caught, in, uh, we caught up in uh, Cadillac. Oh, yeah, we did. Yeah, nice. So, we were driving around L.A., and um, we're, on the, we're going on the 5 North, and this black Dodge Challenger, like, just roars in front of us and cuts us off. And, you know, I drive past him, and being the New Englander I am, I give him a little piece of my mind. Turns out the guy sees us, and it's like two dudes in it, and they see us, and they just start weaving in and out of the traffic, and they just drive right up next to me with the window down. So, I'm not trying to look at them. I'm try- I'm, uh, my, my focus is steely-eyed straight up ahead. And right. um, the exit's coming up, so I get up to the exit, and I go really slowly, and he's like blocking up in front of me right in the corner, waiting for me to get off the exit, trying to block me. So I get off, and he follows me on there, just roars right up to my rear bumper. And um, there's a ton of traffic on the on-ramp, and so he gets caught like two, three cars behind me, this is that weekend it rained too. Yeah. So um, so he's uh, so all of a sudden we all pull over for this police car that's coming through the intersection, and he's like two cars behind us. So he's going out of his way to try to fuck with me. Mm-hmm. So meanwhile, the cops probably watching him, right? Me, yeah, the cop just drives right past him and everything. So I'm like, Alyssa doesn't know about this yet, so I'm like, oh, uh, we kind of have to drive around the block a few times. And she's like, why? And she, I was like, I'll explain later. So um. We, uh, after the traffic starts moving again, and I can see two from two cars behind me, they get really bored, so they just go, just whip a huge donut in the middle of the intersection and drive and pull a UE and get out of there. And I was really hoping, just, just absolutely hoping that they would have, like, pulled a donut and, like, hit the curb or hit another car or something like that. That would have been amazing, but they didn't, because karma doesn't work that way, apparently. Uh, yeah, well, I've actually, you know, the funny thing is, is you say that. You've seen that I, before? I have had... Okay, so for whatever reason, recently when I take, I have not, I don't street race people in my bet because one, what's it's retarded. the point? I mean, I, I don't mean to come off as like cocky, but I realized very early on when I bought that car, and I bought that car when I was 25. Right. I, you know, so I, I kind of give myself credit as a 25 year old looking back at it now. Okay, you made some good decisions of that. I looked at that and went, why am I going to race anything on the street? I know I'm going to beat it. What is the point? I don't care anymore. Um, so that was kind of, that's kind of the tact I've taken for years. But as of, like, just the last couple months, everybody tries to race me on the street. Really? And it's getting to the point where it's very irritating. And I keep having it happen on the 405 freeway. And the great thing is, is the last three out of four times it happened, I was just very calmly in the left lane cruising along, you know, quicker than the speed limit, but still just driving and doing my thing. Yeah. And you get these guys come up and try and talk with me. What are they coming up with? Uh, first time it was a, uh, first time it was an Acura TL. Jesus Christ, really? Uh, yeah. The next time after that, it was a, uh, Mustang, uh, with a 4.6. Okay. Uh, and then the very... Most re- the, the time after that, I, I can't remember. It might have been a Honda. Um, and then the last time, it was a uh, Charger RT. Okay. Um, and these guys just keep, like, you know, weaving, weaving. I go out of their way to weave in and up traffic to try and race me. And three out of the four times, there was a CHP officer right behind us, trailing me, waiting for me to do something wrong. Before I wasn't going to. <laughs> Immediately goes and pulls those awesome. guys over. That's and awesome. I'm like, finally, finally watching this shit just go down. Finally, and like, people are learning their lesson. Don't be dipshits. Yeah. 
That's Especially great. like, you know, when I used to do dumb shit like that in college, it would be on late at night on yeah, roads that were wide open. Right, because you lived in Florida. In Florida, right. you know. I wouldn't do that in heavy traffic. These assholes are doing it in heavy traffic where you're really putting a lot of people's lives at risk. Yeah. Well, um, there's your lesson, I think, to take away from this. If you're going to do dumb shit in the car, do it in Florida, away from everyone. That is, uh, speaking of, there was, John Stewart did a brilliant 15-minute rip on Florida this last week. Oh, really? The episode that he had, Marco Rubio, who is for uninformed, the right. senator from, one of the senators from the state of Florida, on, right. directly preceding that, he spent 10 to 15 minutes destroying Florida. And it was maybe the funniest 10 minutes of television that I'd seen in quite some time. Right, i got to look that up on YouTube because um, Florida really is just isn't It is an awful place. place filled with awful people. Yeah. And I say that with having family there and lots of friends there. We've, I've got a friend there. And yeah. having lived there for eight years, Ugh. I'm confident in saying it is far not the worst state I've ever been in. Yeah. And I've spent serious time in Nevada. <laughs> there you go. Jesus. Um, that is that is bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and Blake keeps having to point out directions here because right. one downside to this truck, I can't see the screen all that well really? 80% of the time. You can't load it in a little center? Oh, shit. You're, you have to take a... Oh. Uh, just pull a UE. Yeah. You can't, you can't get the... Uh, uh, illegally. Uh, taking it right here. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Um, and his rig sounded nicely. Yeah, hopefully it sounds okay. Um, and to that note, we're just about where we need to be. I guess we should probably call this an episode, huh? It is a pretty good episode. Yeah. Uh, let us know what you guys think of this one. We kind of just, once again, experimenting with this. Let's see how it goes. So that is... Uh, it is episode 89. 89. Uh, where can we find you, Blake? Uh, you can find me at BZRONG, BZRON, Twitter and uh, Instagram as usual. And, you know, I'm, I'm pulling shifts at the Peterson. It's been a lot of fun. So very Maybe. soon you'll be able to, if you're at the Peterson, see if you can stop by and say hi to Blake. Once, you once you reopen, anyway. December 2015. Also, I, ha- I helped move a Bugatti EV110 the other day. Oh, really? That was great. Oh, okay. Getting to touch some special stuff these days. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, you can find me... Uh, on Twitter at Hayes Data, and if you want to do a podcast, uh, go over to my company Shout Engine and set yourself up there. Uh, otherwise, uh, go talk uh, talk to our buddy uh, Jeff Glucker on Twitter too, and go to Hooniverse.com. I guess that's an episode. Good times, nice driving, Chris. We did All not right. die. We I only feared I only feared for my life three times, so that's not bad. Okay, cool. Yeah. Very good. <laughs>